Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. If the preaching ever gets as good as the singing of the musicians around here, we're going to go somewhere, aren't we? Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, it's good to see you. You're looking good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look better than I first thought this morning. (laughs) If I needed like $20 or a dollar or $5, how many of you would love me enough to give me like $5, $20? Okay, Okay, I don't need $5 or $20. I just wanted to see if you love me that much. But uh, I, I think, what, Thursday was Dow's birthday? Was that right? Was it Thursday? I, I tell you what, let, let's celebrate Dow's birthday. As you leave today, uh, why don't you give Cheryl uh, like a five, a 20, or a dollar or something just to say, you know what, we love Dow, we remember him, and uh, we're going to bless Cheryl. Uh, That's a good thing, isn't it? It's a very good thing. We've been on a series called What's in a Name, and uh, as you can tell, we've been talking about the name, we've been singing about the name, we've been worshiping the name, and that's a good thing. So what's in a name? Well, it's very, very important. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, speak to our hearts. Let your spirit grip us and lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. In Colossians chapter 3, verse number 17, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I begin to ask some people this week, in anticipation of our time together, I said, what do you think are the three iconic images or brands or names that would literally be known around the world? And I think I came up with the definitive three. Have, has anybody here ever eaten at the Golden Arches? You don't even know the name, but if you see the arches, you know where it is leading or where it's going. And I, and I heard this, I don't know if it's true, but in the course of a year, about a fourth of the world's planet will eat at McDonald's sometime, someplace, some way. And I'm, how many of you are guilty? Okay, I'm not a fan of the burgers, I'm not a fan of the other stuff, but the fries, hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll go through just to get the french fries. Yeah, you're, you're guilty, I, I see you. And then there's Apple. Do you realize that Apple has more cash than the United States government? Well, that's a no-brainer. I've got more cash than the United States government. (laughs) We're $20 trillion in debt now. But Apple, I mean, has billions of dollars in reserves. So Apple is very well known across the world, not just in the United States. And then there's Coca-Cola. I don't care where you go. If you ask for a Coke, they got one. 
I'm telling you, I, I've been or, or a lot of places around the world, and they, they, they got Coca-Colas everywhere. Uh, years ago, we were in Ireland, and some of you were with us in Ireland. We stayed at a, a Bible college there, and uh, we were going through Heathrow Airport. And we'd been there for about a week, and, and I passed by a vending machine, and I saw they had Dr. Pepper in this vending machine. I didn't see it anywhere else in all the stores, the vending machines, the, the supermarkets, because, uh, you know, Dr. Pepper's not just like Coca-Cola, but it's okay. And so I, I see this vending machine that has uh, Dr. Pepper in it, so I put my money in it. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a sterling pound or whatever I put in it. And this Dr. Pepper came out. And I'm walking through Heathrow Airport with this Dr. Pepper in my hand. And people are stopping me in the airport and saying, where did you get that? That's a Dr. Pepper. They're having withdrawals in the international airport. And I said, if you go down this concourse, make it a left, there's a vending machine there, and it actually has Dr. Peppers inside. And so people were rushing to get a Dr. Pepper. So whether it's McDonald's or apples, uh, you know, or oranges or whatever, whether it's McDonald's or apple or Coca-Cola, there are iconic names and imagery that is known all over the world. But the greatest name is not McDonald's. The greatest name is not Apple. The greatest name is not Coca-Cola. Let me tell you what the greatest name is. The greatest name, the name that's above every name, is the name of Jesus. That is the greatest name. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about Philippians 2. For God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue should confess. But it's every knee and every tongue in heaven on the earth and under the earth according to Paul's writing. Now, who's in heaven? The angels. The angels are adoring the name of Jesus. They bow down, they acknowledge, they confess the name of Jesus. Those on the earth should be doing the same thing, correct? We should be bowing down, acknowledging, give praise, adelades and accolades to the name of Jesus and under the earth. You know who's under the earth? There are demons chained under the earth. So whether we are uh, you know, beyond this life, in this life, whether they're demons or angels, that name is above every name. And so we worship and we give praise to Jesus because he has the name. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is a verse you're very familiar with. A lot of times we just talk about this verse at Christmas, but how many of you know this is a verse for 365 days a year? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Now, the child is born, but the son is what? Given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, notice what Isaiah says. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, say that with me, his name, now let's all say it, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, notice the singularity of the word name, his name. His name. His name shall be called. So when you look at this passage, what you see is this name going through the prism of history. And you see the different functions and facets and characteristics of the name. There is one name, but that name embodies so many different things. That name is above every name. Now, Isaiah prophesies this, chapter 9, verse 6, in a very dark time in Israel's history. Now, this verse, in verse 2 of chapter 9, indicates 
a little bit about where they're at. He says the people are in darkness. They're groping in darkness. They're walking in darkness. Now understand that we use that also when Jesus is born in Bethlehem. They're in the darkness of the Roman occupation and they haven't had a significant word of God for about 400 years until Zachariah sees an angel standing on the side of the altar. And now... Isaiah is prophesying because Israel has slidden into idolatry and into darkness and he's addressing this and the answer is not going to be in another method or doctrine or covenant. It's going to be in somebody. It's in Jesus. So notice what he says here. He says we're walking in darkness. It's the impending exile to Babylon. They're going to be led away from their homeland for 70 long years. And God has this complaint against his people. How many of you know God does complain sometimes? And guess who he complains about? Us. Look at your neighbor. Complains about them. Now, joke aside chapter 1, follow along with me. I want, I want to take you through about three chapters here because this leads up to what Isaiah is saying. In chapter 1, he says, my people are rebellious. He said they don't seek justice. They don't defend the oppressed. They're not concerned about the fatherless or the widows. And he makes this amazing statement. And, and I want you to listen up because you do know that Jerusalem is the place where God said, I will set my name for ever. So here he is. He has the temple built. It's on the temple mount. The people that are called by his name. But in chapter 1, he makes this amazing statement. He says, the faithful city has become a prostitute. Wow. That's hard language, isn't it? What happened? They turned their hearts from Jehovah God. They turned their hearts from the living God. And they begin to serve idols and imageries. They begin to take the gods of the nations around them. And they committed spiritual adultery. And God says, I have this complaint for you and against you because you have forsaken me. Chapter 2, he calls the people proud and arrogant. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's just spend a little time there. He says judgment is coming on Jerusalem and on Judah and it's already started in the northern uh, tribes and the northern parts of Palestine and now it's drifting on down. He says, see now, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, see now. When I read this yesterday, I thought how indicative is this for our culture right now. And you're, you're going to catch what I'm going to say here in a moment. He says, see now. He says, I'm going to take away from Jerusalem and Judah the supply and the support of food and water. The hero, the warrior, the judge, the prophet, the diviner, the elder, the captain of the 50, the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, the clever enchanter, or the orators. I will make mere use their officials. Children will rule over them. Folks, we're there today. You know, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, my dad ruled the roost. He didn't count to three. You didn't have a timeout, and you never sat in the corner, and he didn't take your PlayStation away from you. He moved information from the bottom up. He did. 
Notice what Isaiah's complaint against the nation of Israel. He says, your youth and your children are driving the ship and you're just along for the ride. Too many times in families today, the kids are ruling the house. They make the decisions. We go into church, I don't want to go, so we don't go. You know, my parents never asked me if I wanted to go to church. We had a drug problem. We were drugged to church every time the doors opened. And you were the same way. Now, I don't fault them for that. I'm a better person for that. But notice the complaint that God has against the nation of Israel. He says, the youths are your officials and the children are ruling over you. Now, he is looking at the older and the aged and the wise have been derelict in their duties. They've led them the wrong way. Another generation is coming up. So there's two sides of the coin. Can I hear an Amen. He says, people will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the nobodies against the honored, or the base person against those who are honored. Folks, if you look at this, the heroes, the warriors, the people who are captains, the men of rank, the skilled people, they're the ones who are being diminished, and the people who are not who they're supposed to be are the ones who are elevated. We are living today in an upside-down world. What is good now is bad. What was bad 50 years ago is now good. What was perverted 50 years ago is now the normal in our culture. And God is saying to Israel, you are there and it is dark days. You're walking in darkness, but I've got some good news. The good news is in chapter 9. There is help on the way. The help is not in a better methodology. The help is not in positive thinking or motivation. And I love all of that. But the help is in somebody. The help is the one who has this name that's above every name. And his name, singular, shall be called plural, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The future is going to get better. The darkness is going to dissipate. The prison of light is going to refract all of these characteristics of the one who bears this name. Aren't you glad he came? Aren't you glad he's still here? Aren't you glad he's coming back? Hallelujah, praise God. I tell you what, in the early church, uh, service this morning, I preached myself plumb happy. So how many of you are going to help me get happy again? There's wonder in this name. His name shall be called what? Wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful. Do you know his birth was wonderful? It was amazing. An amazing birth. Here you have a young lady who is a virgin, never been with a man, and the Holy Spirit overshadows her. She's found with child of the Holy Spirit. The angel comes and gives this annunciation to Mary and, and kind of has to straighten and correct Joseph's thinking, right? Well, I guess so. You'd have to send an angel for me too. Y'all are so holy. And, and here this young lady is pregnant with the child of promise. And here they're led to Bethlehem and this baby's going to be born in a manger. I don't know if it was a cave or I'm not for sure if it was a barn or a stall. I, I know that we were in the shepherd's caves there around Bethlehem. They still shepherd the sheep and the goats there in that neighborhood. The Bedouins are there. They're on the hillsides and they're grazing their flocks on the grass. And we went to some of the caves there. And you could picture in your minds we walked in that these shepherds would come in for... 
They would come in for shelter. They would come in to support each other. They would come in to eat. And I looked at the ceiling of those caves and they were blackened. Years and centuries of, of campfires built there. And, and was that where Jesus was born? I, I'm not for sure, but I know he was born and it was wonderful. The, the virgin gave birth. Isaiah talked about it. The virgin shall give birth. I'm sure when he prophesied, somebody said, whoa, 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 whoa. That don't happen. And then that star appeared, right? That star appeared there in Bethlehem and the kings of the east of the Magi, they, they left and they followed the star. They, they came and said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? You know, I, I asked myself, how did they know? I mean, how did these guys know to leave Babylon? How did they know to leave the Far East? How did they know to leave that, that land and, and come to where the Messiah was going to be birthed? I kind of have a feeling that I know. I think Daniel, when he was there, said, hey, wise men, let me tell you what's going to happen in the future. I have heard from the Spirit of God, there is one coming, like in Isaiah, and he will be wonderful. And a star will appear in the sky when you see the star appear, follow the star, because at the end of the star, the king of the Jews are there. It was wonderful. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and this baby was a supernatural baby and the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus. If you were with us last week, we said this did not happen. He did not come down to the Hebrew baby book and say, pick out a good name. <laughs> he will be called Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us. It is wonderful. And the heavenly host sang the praises. And the star twinkled. It was wonderful. And then this child grew and he began his ministry. You know what? If you were a blind person, how many of you believe it was wonderful when he touched your eyes? Even when he spit in the mud and smeared them in your eyes, it was wonderful. Or he walked by and said, your faith has made you whole. Or you touched the hem of his garment. It was pretty wonderful when nobody else could do anything for you. But he could. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Or, <laughs> if you're Jairus and your 12-year-old daughter is at doors of death. And she has passed through the door of sickness and the door of the critical sickness and the door looks like of no return and, 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 and he goes out and he finds this miracle worker and he heard Jesus is and says, yeah, I'll come. And as he's going, someone met him and said, uh, don't bother the master anymore because your daughter is already dead. And it was pretty wonderful that Jesus said, hey, just keep believing. Keep your faith. Keep believing. And as they walked in the door of Jairus's house, Jesus said, she's not dead, she just sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. They said, hey, we know a dead person. She is graveyard dead. And Jesus walks into the bedroom and shuts the door and takes her by the hand and says, maiden, arise. That was pretty wonderful. Let me tell you what's wonderful. When he opened the door and he brought that 12-year-old girl out and gave that girl to the mother and the father and said, here's your baby. Let me tell you, that was wonderful. It was amazing. You see, his ministry is wonderful. And we believe it's still wonderful today. 
It was wonderful when we went to the cross. I, I know it was gruesome and I know it was gory and I know that there was the crown of the thorns and there was the beating and the whipping and the blood and the gaping wounds. He was, he was marred more than any man according to Scripture. He was beaten as much as you could be beaten and still live. But I'm glad he went to that old rugged cross because what he did there was wonderful. He took my place. He died for me. He took my sins. That's wonderful. He made me the righteousness of God. How can you stand in judgment and say I'm okay because he's wonderful? How can you stand in judgment to say I am the righteousness of God because he gave his righteousness to you and to me and that is wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful. Wow. I'm getting God bumps up here. I hope they're flowing out there. His ministry was wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. Does anybody here need any counsel? Do you need someone that has wisdom? Do you know there's wisdom in his name? There's wisdom in his word. And it's not that we don't need counsel from other people, but he has a ruling counsel. This world is so overwhelming with dilemmas and questions and where do I turn and where do I go and where do I get my answer? And sometimes you and I just have to go and get some counsel. We got to get some counsel. And I can open up the word and he is the word and I can get some counsel. I can listen to the still small voice and I can receive some counsel. He is the counselor. He can get me to the right way and how many of you know he is the way where do I turn here Lord how do I go and he's always available to us he never leaves us or forsakes us he doesn't turn us away he says if you want to come come and he looks into our dark world when we don't know which way to go and he gives us counsel and the light shines he is the wonderful counselor he is also the mighty God Isaiah said that he is great because he's the mighty God. Jesus Christ is divine. He's deity. This separates us from all other religions and philosophies and isms across the world in every age because we believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. We believe he is the Son of Man, the Son of God, and he is divine. And if you don't believe that, You've lost your way. Because that's one of the pegs. That's one of the foundation stones. Because we have to believe who he is. Jesus is God in the flesh. He has the kingdom. It's on his shoulders. And he has been given the power and the authority. Matter of fact, Galen and I were talking earlier this morning before the early service. Do you realize that all of the gospels, except the last one, John, he's a little different. Give us the great commission in a little bit different way. Matthew 28, 19, go to all the world, make disciples. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then Luke comes along, then Mark comes along. And each one of them give a different, little different rendition. When Mark comes along, he says, now you go out, make disciples, preach the gospel. He said, and this is what's going to happen. He said, you're going to heal the sick, cast out devils, speak with new tongues. And in every one of those commissions, this is thematic. It will all happen in his 
name. In my name, you will speak with new tongues. In my name, you're going to preach the gospel. In my name, you're going to heal the sick. In my name, you're going to cast out devils. It's all going to be done, what? In his name. Everything in word or deed do all in his name. Why? Because his name is mighty. His name is a name of authority. He has the power of attorney that he's passing on to us. This uh, last part of the week, my, my son Aaron and his wife, she's in medical school. And, you know, how many of you know when you're in school you don't have any money? You just don't. And they have two bathrooms in their house, and one bathroom has been kind of messed up. It's been leaking. I've, I've told him for so long. I said, well, I'll come up and help you. So Thursday, I drove up, and I said, I'm going to help you fix your bathroom. So I, I cut a hole in the sheetrock to see where the leak is. And you know around where your, your drain is? It had rusted out. It, it, you know, it's running out. He's got to have a whole new bathtub. And uh, so to get the bathtub out, it's not, it's not as just easy to get the bathtub out. I mean, people who design this are of the devil. I mean, that bathtub's got a lip around the edge. And, and so you have to pull the tile off. You have to pull the sheetrock off to get the bathtub out. So then you have to have some new plumbing and, and, and new hardware. And you have a new tub. And you have to have new sheetrock. And, and you have to have new stuff around the sheetrock. And you got to have all this stuff. And so I give him my bank card. And so $1,000 later, the only way he got all that, when you zip that card through, somebody's name has got to be on that line. And so I give him my card, and him and Matthew have no problem. <laughs> You see the train coming. They have no problem on that little line writing my name. Because it gives them access to what they need. Hey, you and I have been given the name that's above every name for the access of what we need. It's the name of Jesus. Why? Because there is strength and might in that name. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him how many of you know Jesus Christ has the power of everything that's ever been created because it was created by him and for him according to scripture now when we went back and we looked at the commissions that were there in those first three Gospels, you, you do know what Matthew 28, 19 says. Do you know what the verse before that says? All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Who's speaking? Jesus is. Who has all power in heaven and earth? Jesus does. How do we know that? That's what he said. Now notice what Paul says. He says, that all things were created in heaven, on the earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, they all belong to him. He has the power of all of these things. 
His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. In John chapter 18, Jesus has uh, been meeting with his disciples. They are gathered in the upper room to have Passover. We call it the Last Supper. And it started this way. Remember, they go into the upper room and nobody washes feet. And Jesus girds a towel. And he gets down and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter, you remember Peter? Peter had no problem speaking up, did he? He said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, you can have nothing to do with me. Peter said, get my head too. Just wash me all over. Then he passes that evening the bread. He breaks it, says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Passes the cup, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And Judas slipped out. He went out to betray Jesus. He goes to the high priest. He goes to the religious rulers. They give him 30 pieces of silver. And as the custom of Jesus was, and this is very clear in the Bible, many times in the evening, they would cross the Kidron Valley. They would go up to the Mount of Olives. There's a garden there we call what? The Garden of Gethsemane. It has several olive trees there. And they would gather there and they would sing hymns. They would sing songs. They would worship. They would, they would interface, if you will. They would dialogue. They would talk. And the custom was that's where they would go. So they left the upper room. They crossed the Kidron Valley. They were there. And Judas knew where they gathered. And he brought out a huge company with swords and staves and torches. And they're going to arrest Jesus. And when they get close, it's dark. Judas goes up and kisses Jesus. That's the sign. That's the one. And Jesus said, uh, do you betray me with a kiss? Isn't that ironic? You betray me with a kiss, really? I mean, this is not the Bible. Jesus said, really? Really? And Jesus looks at that crowd with their torches flaming, their swords drawn, their lances, their spears. And he says, who are you looking for? Whom seek ye? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And your Bible says, if you have a King James Bible, it says, Jesus responded to them by saying, I am he. If you look in your Bible, the he is italicized. It's not in the original text. You know what Jesus does? He goes all the way back to Exodus and he picks up the name of God from the burning bush. When Moses is going to go back to Egypt, Moses asks this very important question. Who do I say sent me? And God says, you tell them that I am, that I am is sending you. And now this group is coming out to arrest Jesus. And he asked the question, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is literally what he said. He says, I am. And when he said that, boom, they fell over backwards. Everyone's on the ground. Boom, they're down. Why did he do that? I think I know why. He said, no one takes my life from me. Nobody takes my life from me. I willfully lay it down for the sheep. You don't take it from me. 
How would you like to have been in that group that night? Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Boom! You're on the ground. Well, that didn't work out like I thought. What is the point? There is no way you could ever take me unless I, you, I, I allow you to do that. I'm allowing you to take me. You're not taking my life. I'm giving my life. Why could he do that? He's the mighty God. He's full of power and grace and love. But I want to tell you, he is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father, according to Isaiah chapter 9, 6. Do you realize when you give your life to Jesus and you commit by faith to trust him and follow him, do you realize you must be born again? You must become a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God, and he has that love and that guidance and that care and that stewardship and forgiveness and grace that we need as children. Let me ask you a question. Has your kids ever done anything wrong? Well, you're smiling. You should have said, yeah! Goodness gracious, we've, we've raised boys and if you hadn't raised boys, you, you, you need to you need that experience. But I've heard girls are worse than boys. Now, I don't know that. But we, we had some issues with our boys. And I don't think as a parent you can raise a child without having issues. And I'll guarantee you, your heavenly father has issues with you every once in a while. Come on. You can be a real royal stinker. But aren't you glad he has grace and forgiveness and love and care for you and he will keep you and he will love you and you and I are children of the almighty God that we're serving. Not only is he a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, Isaiah said he was the prince of peace. Folks, in the time that he writes that, that Israel's getting ready to go into bondage and there is skirmishes on the border. There is chaos. They need peace. We need peace. Do you know our world's in a constant state of upheaval today? I'm telling you. There's tensions in the Middle East constantly. We have this guy in North Korea that's got us all discombobulated. And I'll stop there. Threatening Japan, threatening the Western world. We have cyber threats. We have health threats, nuclear threats, biological threats. We have economic threats. I mean, everywhere you turn, it's racism, it's riots, it's this group against that group, it's this, this upheaval, that upheaval. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, we have food shortages all over the world. About 795 million people every day have nutrition problems, lack of food. And really it's not the lack of food, it's the last la lack of distribution of the food, really. It, it, it's, it, it's places where people don't care about people. It's where people are running over people. They, they don't esteem people. They don't, they don't love people like they should. There's wars and injustice and slavery and socialism and communism and despots and 
all the things that we're uncertain about and chaos everywhere. Goodness gracious, we need a Prince of Peace. It's not a treaty. It's, it's not a, a theory. It's not a theology. It's a person. The Prince of Peace. Isn't it amazing? And I don't know how this happens, and I can't explain it to you, but I know it's the Word of God. I know that you can be in the midst of turmoil and trouble and still have peace. I will keep that person in peace, their mind in peace, if they'll think on me. In this world you shall have tribulation, but I'm going to give you my peace. I don't know how it happens, but it does. You remember when the storm hits the Sea of Galilee and the disciples are in the boat? And they're fearing for their life. And, and, and they go back to the back of the boat. And they have to wake Jesus up. Listen, Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm. I mean, this guy is back here snoozing. The storm does not wake him up. He has to be woken. They have to wake him up. And it could be, he just said, hey, I said we're going to go to the other side. you got to trust me, we're going to get to the other side. Even in the midst of the storm, we're going to get to the other side. And so they wake him up. They said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? He gets up. I mean, he, he's the son of God, but he's also the son of man. He's weary. He's tired. I mean, maybe he yawns. He stretches, you know, rubs his eyes, goes to the front of the ship, and looks in the middle of the storm, and he says, Peace, be stilled. And all of a sudden, the waves calm, and the wind quits blowing, and the storm dissipates. Folks, storms will always dissipate and go away. Every hurricane eventually stops. Every thunderstorm eventually stops. Every tornado eventually stops. But none had ever stopped like that. He immediately stopped it. He, creator, powerful, mighty God, stepped to the front of the boat and said, Stop it! And the wind said, Yes, sir. And the wave said, yes, sir. And the disciples who had already seen him heal the sick, cast out demons, and perform miracle after miracle, stepped back and said, goodness gracious, who do we have on this boat? What kind of man is this? I'll tell you who he is. He's wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, who can step right in the middle of a storm and say, I can stop that storm in your life. I can stop that storm in your life. Wow, who is this? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Wow. You see, I don't know, maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, nothing wonderful has happened in my life for a long time. Well, I believe something wonderful can happen in your life through Jesus. If you need some help, if you need some counsel, if you know what direction you need to go but you can't get there, don't know how to get there, let me tell you, he can counsel you how to get there. Or maybe you're in a storm and you need the power to stop the storm and the peace in the storm. Or, or maybe you need to feel the, those arms come around you like a loving father. I'm telling you, Isaiah said his name, singular, includes all these things, plural. That he has a name that's above every name. 
And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in trouble. And you're headed somewhere you don't want to go, and it will be eternity that you don't want to spend there. But here's the good news. His name is wonderful. Amen. He can save to the uttermost. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. He can save to the uttermost. And even after you're saved, you still need him. You don't throw him aside. You don't go without him. You're going to have some issues. You're going to have some times. You're going to check your boat to say, are you still in here, Lord? You still in here, Lord? And you know what he's going to say? I'm still here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And his name is wonderful. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.